don't like Christmas much, do you? Like it? I love it. It's cold, and people stay home and watch television. Why would I get the towel? Because you're a bitch. Sometimes you have to slap them in the business to get their attention. Because you know your father, he's out chasing beaver. The bitch hit me with a toaster. Welcome to Worth the Watch Podcast. I'm your host, Ed Palilla. With me as always, Mike Kennedy. Hello, Mike. Hello, Edward. It's the SS Minnow, Ed. It's the SS Minnow. Ah, everybody knows that one, Mike. (laughs) Uh, In honor of the Christmas season, last one we did was Christmas Vacation. The next one is one of my other favorite Christmas movies, Scrooged, released November 23rd, 1988, one week before the movie Naked Gun, which I didn't realize they were released around the same time, but that actually makes sense now that I think about it. The budget for this movie was $32 million. It ended up grossing $60 million. So it actually did pretty well, especially for Christmas movie. I mean, you, you got to get it out. This is right, right around, right before Thanksgiving. So it had its, its five-week run. But by the time you get through Christmas and New Year's, that movie's done and no one's really watching it again. So that, that did pretty well. Mike, what would you guess the Rotten Tomato score for critics would be for this movie? Critics... 67. 69%. A little higher than I thought it would be. I kind of felt like some critics would be dog in this movie, but it ended up around there. Uh, where would you put the audience score? What, what did you say the critic, critics Critics was 69. Um, 76. A little lower, 70%. So they were right in line with each other. I actually would have thought, I would have thought your numbers would have hit a little closer, about a 10, 10 point gap, but they ended up being right up against each other. IMDb score, 7 out of 10. So a little high for the IMDb score. But this is, uh, I don't want to use the term cult classic because that's not the right thing because it is a mainstream movie. But it's, it's had a long life to it, mainly because it's a Christmas movie. So there is a little nostalgia that kind of probably gives it an extra half a point bump. It's probably closer to a 6.5 versus a 7. The cast of the movie, main character Bill Murray plays Frank Cross, which is the counterpart we'll say to the uh ebenezer scrooge he's i mean i could name a million movies groundhog day ghostbusters uh zombie land which we did a few weeks a few months ago i guess next is karen allen she played claire phillips the love interest most notably from raiders of the lost ark animal house and then she was the mom in sandlot the other two characters that we're, we'll kind of talk about for a second now is Alfre Woodard played Grace Cooley. You may notice her. She was in Desperate Housewives. I never watched it. You never watched it, Mike. But if you watch that show, she was in it for about 25 episodes. And she was in 12 Years a Slave. She had a very good role in 12 Years a Slave. She was one of the house slaves. The other character is Bobcat Goldthwait plays Elliot Loudermilk. If you know who Bobcat Goldthwait is, he is the babbling drooling insane person from all the police academy movies so mike why don't you get into the plot of the movie should i say it in a bobcat voice (laughs) if you can do it (laughs) it's christmas eve (laughs) no all right we got 
Francis Cross is the dickish but successful executive of a national television uh, station whose cold, cold ambition and heartless nature has driven away the love of his life, Claire Phillips. Claire works, works at a homeless outreach program and is a real do-gooder, but apparently a horrible judging character. Frank fires a, sta a staff member, Elliot, uh, on Christmas Eve, causing his wife to leave him with their child and quickly becomes an alcoholic with revenge on the brain. While overseeing a TV production of A Christmas Carol, Frank is visited by three ghosts who give him glimpses into the past, present, and future. Slowly, he is enlightened about the current empty state of his life and comes to realize that he must make himself a better person. He wakes up at the studio a changed man, but Bobcat is there with a double-barrel shotgun intent on killing Frank. Frank convinces, um, I guess I call him Bobcat, but we'll call him Elliot, that he is a changed man and makes him the head of programming at twice the pay. Frank then hijacks the live program and goes on a 12-minute speech about Christmas, family, and friends, winning over the crowd along with Claire's heart again. There you go, Ed. Okay, so we're doing things a little bit different this time around. Usually we get straight into the movie, but we're going to kind of work in a, a, bit, a bit of a different circle here. So we're going to go right into what our thoughts on the movie are. I'm going to start with, out of all the adaptations of A Christmas Carol, this is my favorite one. The only ones I can really think of are, again, this one, what do we want to say, seven years ago-ish. Jim Carrey did one. That's a, it's like a bizarre-ish, almost, it's not quite a cartoon, it's not quite anime, it's not quite live action, it's like, a, it almost looks like they put all the things on him and mocked up his face and then morphed his face into a 78-year-old Ebenezer Scrooge. It's, it's a little weird, uh, and the thing about it is, is it follows the script to the Charles Dickens novel like to a T it doesn't change any of the words that it says and watching it, it kind of threw me off a little bit because it's written, you know, a Christmas Carol was written what, like 1840 something. And it works really well for 1840 something, but the language doesn't translate that well to 2018, 2010, whenever that came out. Have you seen it, Mike? I actually, I, you know, it's been on TV and like it's one of those ones I've just seen parts of. I've actually not watched it sitting, you know, the whole way through. So it was just a little too, I guess, weird for me, maybe. Just it is. Really it's a little weird. It. The graphics are really impressive. I will say that the graphics are really impressive. And actually, we, the in-laws had a 3D television where you wore the 3D glasses and everything. And you can watch it in 3D. And it almost like makes you nauseous a little bit, especially when he's flying with the ghosts of Christmas past and stuff. It just it the language doesn't translate. And I think that's what they did smart with Scrooge is they changed it to be 1988. They, they don't mess around with trying to follow lock and step with the original Christmas Carol. Obviously they were remaking the story with the Jim Carrey version. The only other one of this that I've ever seen that I liked is Mickey's Christmas Carol, which came out in 1983 and I actually just watched that an hour and a half ago with my kids it still does pretty well to this day. It's it's cute. It's fun. It's entertaining. Uh, I really like that one. Have you seen that one, Mike? I have not. No, that's that's worth that's worth watching with like uh, your nieces. They'd love it. It's great. 
What other thoughts do you have on the movie, Mike? Oh, uh, well, when you were talking about adaptations, I said that the last one that I can remember them making was the one with Matthew McConaughey, which unfortunately I have watched. And it's called Ghost of Girlfriend's Pasts. And it's like the 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 thing the thing about it's like he's like at his like sister's wedding and like he's going through his past girlfriends or something like that. It's I can't really even remember it. I was gonna say, are they physically there or is it they're just showing up in his head? Is he hammered? What's how's this? And what's the premise of it? When I saw the commercial for it, I'm like, this is gonna be awful. It's kind of like um, he's pretty much a serial womanizer. I guess you could call it. Okay. He's actually going to the wedding to try to convince his brother not to marry the person for the wedding. And actually like his dead uncle is kind of like the ghost that comes up to like talks to him first, pretty much, you know, was he a serial womanizer too? Yes. He was a serial womanizer who kind of taught Matthew McConaughey, everything he knows about it, you know, and everything. I seem like, you know, I was wrong actually, you know, you're going to be visited by three ghosts tonight. The ghost of girlfriend past, present, and future. What else? Um, what what else? General thoughts do you have on the movie before we get into some of the other things? Um, just a lot of like cameos. A lot of cameos. I that that, that for sure. Uh, you got Carol Kane comes in. Uh, you got Mama Fertelli from Goonies. <laughs> oh yeah, one of the homeless people. What's her, I don't even know what her real name is. I wrote down Mama Fratelli because yeah, that's, that's, that's what really is. what she is. Um, but actually, there's, there's, Ma- there's, a, there's a random Lee Majors cameo in the opening yeah, scene. Yeah, Lee Majors, Robert Goulet. <laughs> yeah, it's Robert Goulet on the boat. Um, buddy, uh, buddy Hackett, you know, he plays in their play, actually, in the movie. He plays Scrooge in their, like, live play. Um, yes, Mary I, Lou I did Retton. see that. Yeah, Mary Lou Retton, random cameo. You have all the Murray brothers. You have the Brian Murray, who's been, you know, in Candy yes. Shack and all that stuff. We just did the movie with Christmas Vacation that he's in. Um, the one thing that I noticed is actually when there, he's walking with his brother, I actually looked this up afterwards because I was like, I know who that guy is. It's the guy who's in the band for David Letterman, the bald guy, Paul Schaffner. Paul, yeah, Paul Schaefer's in, um, in it. Schaefer, whatever his name is. Miles Davis yeah. is. Uh, they're the guys on the street. Yeah, the guys on the street. Yeah, I never noticed. I, know that I never saw them. I read it and that didn't go back and watch it. I, I I noticed the guy's face and then rewound it and watched it and I was like, oh, I was like that that I, that is who the guy is. And then I looked it up, looked him up, and when I was looking him up, I saw like Miles Davis was also in it, and I was like, oh, that's cool. So you were talking about his brothers. So his brother in the movie is his real real life brother John. Yes. And then. The guy who does ask the SS Minnow question is his other brother, Joel. And he was in uh, – did you ever watch Dharma and Greg in the 90s? Do you remember that show uh, with Jenna Elf? I know you're – no, I didn't watch it. I, I, I watched some of it. He's in that show. You would recognize him from other stuff if you saw him too because he's kind of been dusted into other shows. But I didn't really realize I, – I mean, I knew about Brian Doyle. I, Brian Doyle's been in – three quarters of the movie made in the last 30 years. I didn't realize John was his actual brother and Joel, I didn't know was his brother and didn't really recognize him until I went back and looked at who he was. So I thought that was pretty cool. They were all in this. And I have a couple, I have another internet fact about Bill Murray in this movie a little later when we get into that. 
but I'm glad you brought up the brother thing there and, and some of the other cameos. I'm trying to think if it was anybody else that was kind of randomly in it. Oh, Wendy Malick. Um, she's not really a cameo. She plays the brother's sister or oh, Frank's sister-in-law. Uh, she was in the show um, Just the Shoot Me, second. which was on for quite a while. That show's really funny, actually. I know, I know who you're talking about. The dark-haired chick. Yeah, the dark-haired girl. Yeah. Woman. The the only I've got the only thing is I have is I have uh, Bill Murray's hair is seriously maybe the worst hair. That was right <laughs> when he started losing it, and yeah. he went full on. <laughs> I had to laugh because I'm glad you said that. When Claire Karen Allen sees him for the first time, she's like, "Your hair, it's so short. I've never seen it that short." And I'm like, "He's got a full on business mullet going on," but it was the late mm-hmm. '80s, so that's what everybody had. And then they showed him he did have the longer hair, but he looked balder when he had longer hair than when he has shorter hair. So it's supposed it's to be him when he's younger and he looks actually balder than 20. Uh, I think it was what, like, when he was on the Frisbee show, it was like 1973. So it was like 15 years earlier or something. Fantastic. Uh, like, what was he wearing? Like a turtleneck, too? Oh, yeah, the black turtleneck. Yeah, just yeah. fantastic. Um, and I have uh, two other things. So, um, I can't remember what the lady's name is. The lady who uh, just takes a beating on the set the whole time. <laughs> oh yeah, the 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 censor. She's from the FCC. Yeah, she gets smacked in the head. The set falls on her. Yeah, and she gets a hit with a rolling barrel. And I just think that's I, I love it when she is hit in the head the first time. Just this is just popping my head, and he walks over because she's complaining about the dancers. Yes, and, tw- and he just turns, turns her head, and he, grabs, and he grabs her head, and he just turns it and hears like a crack, and he's just like, "Can I turn her head?" Looking yeah. at the nurse, like, <laughs> "You go see, you can't even see their nipples." There is a um, funny thing, and I think I think it was ad lib. I think I read that somewhere that when the guys are like, "We can't see her nipples," and he goes, "See, they can't see them," and they these guys are really looking. I think that was a Bill really- Murray. I guess Bill Murray yeah. ad-libbed a lot of this movie, and that's no surprise that he's kind of the king of that. He was one of the first ones mm-hmm. to really uh, bring that into uh, cinema. Saying, this, this is the first movie. I was like looking through his like movie lists before this. This is the first movie that uh, he's he's always been like a star. He was a movie star, but this is the first movie where like he was like the lone star that like carried the movie. They, yeah, there was actually. So there was really something I read about that that they were, they were concerned that it was the first time he'd have to carry a movie like that. Because you know he was in Caddyshack. I was looking before he was in Ghostbusters and Stripes. But, you know he had Harold Ramis in those ones. You know, and like a lot of other people, Chevy Chase, you know, John Candy, Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, like lots of people to help him carry those those movies. So that's all, that's why I have with thoughts of the movies. I think this is something we should look into, calling it the Bill Murray effect. When someone that's kind of a side character, they they feel like they can give him their own movie, and it tanks. Like Zach Galifianakis was that way, really good as a side character, but you can't give him more than fifty, sixty lines in the movie. He can't well, do two hundred. You know- He's he he can have he's fine, but you have to have other like, you know, big name people. I think in the movies with them sometimes some of the some of the actors they try to, they're not a front man or a front front woman. Yeah, they're just they're perfect as the. I saw an interview with John C. Riley, 
and John C. Riley was being—he was being interviewed by uh, Kevin Pollock. I've talked about the Kevin Pollock chat show before. If you ever get a chance to listen to it, it's on—it's a bunch of them on YouTube. But he's interviewing John C. Riley, and John C. Riley said he has made a career, and so has Kevin Pollock, as the—and I forget exactly how he worded it, but the plot descri- the description guy they call him. He's the guy you come in. There's a scene or two that you're in where they explain exactly what they're going to do. And then usually you get killed off. And that's kind of, it's a similar thing is you have, you can be, it's a little different that you'd be in the whole movie, but you can't be the whole plot line. Bill Murray pulled it off for this movie. And then he had, he had quite a bit of a quiet time until what lost in translation came out probably, or what's that? Life Aquatic with Steve Zizzo. I never saw that movie, but I heard it was funny. I think it might be a little too intelligent for me, but when I think of this, it's like I know that he did a movie like right, right before this. That this was like his first like actual like movie movie that he did since uh, I can't remember it was like a movie Ghostbusters. It he took like four years out of acting and actually had almost considered quitting it. Well, he did. And... It was called The Razor's Edge, and he was like it. it performed so poorly i guess that he like was considered giving up he had a small little part in little shops of horrors and that was and then pretty much that's the only thing he had until he was in scrooge yeah it was I mean, something like he took like four he years did, off you know, yeah he did like ghostbusters 2 which was decent i mean he did groundhog day in 93 and what about bob in oh sorry yeah you're right groundhog day and, and what about bob I, I was thinking mid to late 90s but yeah groundhog day is one of my favorites i should have uh yeah, it's, it's kind of like battle me this, and then, uh, you know, three years later, he had What About Bob? Two years late after that, Groundhog's Day. And then, you know, he hit Kingpin in the mid. Space Jam's, bro. Space Jam. Space Jam's terrible. Uh, wild Thing. <laughs> I forgot about Wild Things. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um, <laughs> what About Bob? Very underrated movie. Oh, I think that movie is really good. And it doesn't get enough airplay enough it, it kind of gets passed over when you talk about bill murray movies but it's really really good that's some of his best work oh yeah you got yourself some richard Dreyfus. great oh yeah i ju- i'll joke around all the time going baby steps here baby steps here baby steps going to the bathroom baby steps going over to this what would you say your favorite scene was ed so i thought about this because there's a lot of really funny ones but i came up with when bobcats elliot shows up with the shotgun and is ready to kill him. I just, I don't know. It makes me laugh every time listening to him talk and yell at him and singing Santa Claus is coming to town. And so can I get a three second head start? One, two, three, just fires and blows all the Emmys away. I don't know why I, I, I laugh at that scene every time. What about you? Oh, Mike? There's a, a great scene. I really said that. I just thought the opening scene where they're showing like the little movie pitches, <laughs> Like little pictures of me are just hilarious. Where it just opens up and it's like Lee Majors, six million dollar man. It's like you know, the night that was it the night the reindeer died or something like that. I think I that, yeah, it. something like that. I think it's funny because it shows like the whole workshop, and then they're looking up. It almost looks like a shooting star, and then you just hear Mrs. Claus go incoming, and then she runs over to the closet, and opens it up, and there's just nothing but M16s against the wall. <laughs> Yeah, just ridiculous. And it's like, and the other thing is that I just like love from back then is those fucking movie voiceover guys. They were fantastic. Oh yeah, they were so I mean, great. They were so great. 
just I, I love everything about that. And it's just like but then you know, immediately goes after that and it goes, you know, Robert Boulay's old fashioned Cajun Christmas. Yeah. You know? And he's it's ridiculous because I think there's a fake alligator in the water too. And he's got a gondola in the Everglades and he's just poking along as he's going. It's so weird that that's where they had it. (laughs) So I've reached the point that I cannot pick a favorite line from most of the movies we do. There's usually multiple. So I'm just going to stick with that. So we're going to go with favorite lines. So where would you, where would you start, Mike? All right. We we can alternate. I'll, I'll do, I'll do one. It's, it's kind of a little quote. It goes, Hey mom, where's dad? He should have been home by now. Well, Wally, if you know your father, he's out chasing beaver. That has been a running <laughs> joke in my family for a long time. <laughs> to this day, you'll hear my dad go, "Oh, if I know your dad, he's out chasing beaver." Like it's a, it's it's a very very long running joke in my family from this movie. My my first is when he's yelling at Grace, and he goes, "We're indivisible. If I'm working late, you gotta work late." If you can't work late, I can't work late. And if I can't work late, I can't work late. That is another line I've used a lot. The if you can't, then I can't. And if I can't, then I can't. It doesn't really matter what it is. You can just mm-hmm. pepper it in. It's a, it's a very reusable line. I wrote when he's like, after he comes back from, I think it might be the second, the second ghost, uh, ghost Christmas present. When he get, comes back to the set and he's like, break, her, break a leg, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> I feel really weird about tonight. <laughs> is that the second one? Yeah, that is the second one. Because I like that's right before that when she goes, it's when they're visiting the brother and Carol King goes, look, it's a toaster and just smacks him right in the face. <laughs> yeah. And he pops up and he goes, the bitch hit me with a toaster. <laughs> A very, very Bill Murray voice. I have one more. Do you have any more? No, go ahead. You can go. Okay, so the last one is right after he says, I got a real world fearing about tonight. Bryce Cummings drags him over and says, why don't you go up to your office? And they open the elevator doors and there's the ghost of Christmas future. Not the real one. The actor one. And he gets down on his knees like, He's here for me! Come on! Come on! Come on! Come on to me! You think I'm afraid of you? The dead eyes in! I know what you came for. Come and get it, you pussy. <laughs> and I, I think, um, so I, I told you this, that I, oh, no, I didn't say this. I've probably seen this movie 60 times because we watched it constantly growing up. And when I watched it, we taped it off a of TV. So I watched the TV version growing up, so I never heard him say pussy. So when I got older and bought the DVD and heard him say it, I was laughing hysterically. So I always got the television watered-down CBS version, because that's probably what we recorded off of, versus hearing this. And that one, it caught me off guard again this time around, and it made me laugh really hard. So Mike... Who would you pick as your favorite character that's not Frank Cross? I put down uh, the Ghost of Christmas Past. Yes. Which is that David Johansson. Yes. Who is the lead singer of? Um, Buster Poindexter. I I just can't think of it off the top of my head. Yes. Buster Poindexter. The lead singer of Buster Poindexter. And he actually has a quasi 
acting career, but for a good he's in a lot of soundtracks and composers like yeah that he, he's had quite a music career uh, like on movies and stuff he, if you actually pull up his imdb he's got a ton of music credits but for a good solid i'd say 15 years of my life i was pretty sure that either he was or was related to the guy from dazed and confused and you got to know who i'm talking about the um i think i know who you're talking about but i just can't he looks exactly like him I mean, he looks like he could be the same person. He actually looks like he'd be almost his son. He, he's young enough, but. And he's never really, this guy's never really been in anything else. Sasha Jensen. Who that's played, the, the guy that's wearing the overalls the whole time, the blue overalls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, okay, yeah, yeah so he looks like him. And I actually, for a solid 10 or 15 years of my life, I thought they were either the same person or like one was related to the other one. And they're not in any way, shape or form. Um, I also threw in the ghost of Christmas present because Carol Kane is pretty funny. If you guys don't know who Carol Kane is, she is Bill Murray's wife in the princess bride. Comforting, 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 comforting. That's her. Billy, Billy Crystal's wife. What did I say? Bill Murray. <laughs> Cause I'm staring at his <laughs> name here. Billy Crystal's <laughs> wife in the princess bride. He's, he's the other miracle. Man. Max's yeah, wife. Miracle, miracle Max's wife. Yes. Thank you. so uh let's go back mike and go through the rest of the movie anything that we didn't pick up while we were talking about what we're going through some of our favorites so father loves beaver is very funny uh a, a little thing that i noticed is when frank goes back into his office and his brother's there on the exercise bike if you notice in the background, it has writing on the wall above the window. And it says cross. And then, you know, sometimes people will have like a, like a, a definition of what their last name is and kind of like as an empowerment thing. Did you see what it says by chance? No. It goes cross, noun, a thing they nail people to. I thought that was pretty good. Because uh, Frank Cross is a dick. Yeah, he is. Huge dick. Huge dick. <clears throat> I have, when they're doing the uh, the movie things at the beginning, he's just like, oh my gosh, does that suck? Now I have <laughs> to kill all of you. <laughs> exactly. The next thing I was going to say is like, we have 40 million, so we spent $40 million on a live TV show. I was like, 40 fucking million dollars on a live TV show. It's, like, yeah. To all of you. America's favorite old like, fart. In front of a fire, in front of a fireplace, reading a book. His his plug too that he does reminds me of like a, a trailer from like the Terminator or something like that. Uh, a ter- in the Terminator about the Terminator. That that's I love the um, uh, is it Highway Murders? No, where the, the the person pulls up in the vehicle next to them and just shoots them with a shotgun. Yeah, that happens. That happens all the time. It could happen to you. Your life just like, might depend on it. Exactly. I was going to say, your life just might depend on it. I also found out that, that, uh, that Bobcat's like voice that he always, you always hear him use in the movies, that's not actually his real voice. He was doing stand-up with somebody else. I can't remember what the stand-up was called. But, you know, like his voice cracked and he thought it was funny and like started just using it more. And I guess he's like a good like voice guy. 
He's a good voice guy. He actually is um, quite an accomplished director too. Now he's 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 stepped behind the camera and he's directed a lot of stuff. He's been involved in a ton of things. But yeah, I've, I've actually heard a little bit of his stand-up before. I mean, that was what he was in before. And then, yeah, that mm-hmm. caught in the whoever wrote Police Academy said, we're going to use him for this. And it worked. When John Forsythe shows up, I remember as a kid having to cover my eyes every time the golf ball popped out and the mouse ran out because it grossed me out so much. But I did like that and this goes back to my, this is a good adaptation of the movie of, of a Christmas Carol, because if you watch some of the other ones, essentially as soon as someone starts talking to them, either Jacob Marley or one of the ghosts, they're just like in, they just believe whatever they're saying. And he put Frank cross actually pushes back. He's like, no, you're a delusion brought on by alcohol, Russian vodka poisoned by Chernobyl. And I thought it was funny mm-hmm. that that's what they called it too. Slam and tab and stoli. Is that what is that what that is? Tab. We talked about Ghost of Christmas Past being David Johansson, Brian Doyle Mori. Uh, I did like that they showed the party and the girl was taking photocopies of her ass. Remember that used to be a funny joke. Yep, that was kind of like, like a thing. Or, t- or like your face or anything. I like used to do it. Yeah, I feel like if you did that now, you'd just be immediately fired. Now with this whole like hashtag me too and all that stuff going on, like none of this none of that stuff would fly. No. No. And you would totally get a towel and I would totally get the VHS player too, just so you know. Why would I get the towel? Because you're a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> My bonus is the washcloth. If it was at the a face towel or something like that. Yeah, face towel, that's what it is. What about my bonus? You get a face towel. He gives his, he tells his brother, towel. Yeah, towel. It's like most of these are towels. I like when they asked about the ratings of a show and he's like, towel, towel. I also love when his boss comes down and he's just like, cats and dogs watching TV. <laughs> he seems like a bit of a, uh, a crazy old person at that point. Yeah. But what, what makes me laugh too is those, I laugh because it's just like, you know, give it a little pet appeal, you know. Some random quick, quick action. Yeah. The, the cop doing a string. You know, add some squirrels and a mouse, and I start laughing. So I was like, I was looking at Plex, and you know, Blake has animal TV on there. And I started laughing. <laughs> Actually, I was, I read something because he says in twenty years there'll be steady viewers. There is something on is it Hulu or Amazon Prime or one of those streaming networks has actual animal stations you can put on because people like putting it on for their kid, their pets while they're gone because they're gone all day. So they don't feel like they're alone in the house. It used to be you just put the radio on, or for us, we just cage them. They're pets. They just sleep. That's what mine are doing right now. Sleeping in you the just room. Robert Goulet, cage them Christmas. Christmas. Yeah, put them Robert Goulet, cage them Christmas on repeat, and they'll fall asleep. <laughs> I love I love when he runs into Cummings, and he, and he runs back in his office. He goes, come here. Slam this door yeah. hard. <laughs> <laughs> they cast Brace Cummings so perfectly. Oh, he's fantastic. And Bryce Cummings, LA Slimeball. LA Slimeball. I like that he orders the Cali- oh, Interesting to hear him say California Health Plate and looks and says no dairy. I didn't even think no dairy was a thing in the 80s. I mean, I know now some people do that, but I didn't realize that was a thing all the way back then. And then I love when he says my, my lacrosse coach, my high school lacrosse coach. I'm like, yeah, he totally played lacrosse. Such a preppy sport. Yeah. 
Growing up, I had no idea what it meant when he said, I thought you were Richard Pryor, and he threw the water on him. Do you know the actual story of Richard Pryor? Yeah, he um, was freebasing cocaine and drinking one. (laughs) And lit himself on fire and ran down the street or something. I didn't know the whole thing, but I just knew I knew that because uh, it's just something I, I whenever he did that, I was like Richard Pryor and I was confused. Someone from work told me, oh, that's because of this. And I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, like, I didn't I never knew like what it was. I never put two and two together because I was way too young to understand the Richard Pryor joke. Yeah. It was in 1980. Oh, really? OK, so that was before we were even born. He actually did a joke about it in the stand-up. I actually looked it up afterwards just to see the whole thing. And he would take a match and he would wave it around on stage and be like, what's this? It's Richard Pryor running down the street. Oh. <laughs> well, at least he had a good attitude about it. You almost, you almost have to. You almost have to. You almost have to. Um, I, think, I think Lee Hayward's makeup is pretty freaking good, too. Like, his whole, like, get-up for, like, 1988, like that, you know. Which one's Lee Hayward? Lee Hayward's is... The old boss you're talking about with the mouse coming out of the back of his head oh yeah yeah that was um today that would probably be cgi'd right probably yeah would it be cheaper than would you really shoot some random person in the back that you don't know that's like filling up a drink in your place and then when he turns around and he's dead he's already unloaded an entire like six shots into his back he just doesn't he doesn't act that like freaked out really no, he doesn't. Another thing that used to freak me out was when he rips his arm and ripped the skin off mm-hmm. and the bone starts to crack. That always freaked me out as a kid, too. But when he's pushing him out, getting, throwing him out the window, he's just like, please, they'll think I'm a suicide. Yeah. <laughs> I never noticed that before. I caught that this time around. Or, or, oh, that's another great line, too. He's just like, women used to love me. He's like, let's be honest. He paid for the, <laughs> he paid for the women. <laughs> I jumped to the Ghost of Christmas Past before, and I said, making copies of her ass. I, I liked when they he gives her the gift, the gift of knives, and they're talking about the Ginsu knives. I remember that being a huge deal growing up. All the infomercials for the Ginsu knives and them cutting through mm-hmm. shoes I and do. tin cans. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and then I, I liked exactly. the line. He goes, I've never loved a woman enough to give her 12 sharp knives. Yep. I have it written down too. That's why I'm laughing. Yes. Same <laughs> and then uh, that's about all I have for Ghost of Christmas Past. I liked him a lot, though. He was really funny. I wish they would have had him in more stuff. I think he could have had a pretty good acting career. Well, it's like I kind of laugh. It's like uh, I, 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 as I said, I like him. He's funny. Um, he's kind of got those like his his outfits like kind of interesting. He's got like pointed ears, almost like a scary Christmas cab driving elf. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't notice the pointy ears until the last few times I saw it. I never really paid attention to it. Yeah, and shit, man. He gave him five pounds of veal for Christmas. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's uh, $40 in, in uh, market value in 1988. So that's like yeah, 80 today, man. You know, his father, you know, gave Frank a generous piece of meat for Christmas. <laughs> he, he's, not, he's not a pedophile, Ed. He's a butcher. He's a butcher. <laughs> For a second, I thought the mother was the woman from Men in Black. The uh, Edgar, your skin's falling off your bones. Because she kind of talks the same way, even though one is like Midwestern and one is supposed to be New Jersey. 
I know exactly what you're talking about. But I kind of thought it was her, and it's not. I, I, I went one that I watched it again. I'm like, no, it's not her. But she kind of reminded me of her a little bit. Yes, it was the homecoming episode. <laughs> that was I hit the with the winning home run. <laughs> And then, I was uh, running through a field of flowers. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful girl. Let's 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 admit it, Frankie. Garden Slugs got more out of life than you did. It's a bone, you lucky dog. I don't know why I thought he yelled something more offensive. So, so did I. I thought I thought he was gonna say I actually rewound it and watched it again because I was like, did he say I thought he was gonna say fucking dog. Yeah, That's no, you lucky dog, yeah. But then he said lucky dog, and then Talk about like the most awkward breakup ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Christmas Eve, and then Ozzy's about to go back to work. Like, I think we should take a break from each other. Not the right time, but I guess it was time. Let's move on to goes to Christmas present. Yeah, uh, I like that she just constantly kicks the shit out of him, and I read that she even it made her uncomfortable, and she even ripped his lip when she's pulling on it. Sometimes you have to. <laughs> And they had to stop shooting for like two days or something. She actually ripped his lip. Yeah, I read about that. Yeah. But uh, Carol Kane, she hasn't been around for a while, has she? Um, Not that I know of. I didn't really even look look her up or anything like that. No, because I knew she was from Princess Bride, which was, I think, the year after this. And then I don't really know if she was in much more. Probably tell you what, I she was done. Only one man dare gives me a raspberry. She's in that? No, she's blown on her stomach. Those are called raspberries. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> They're all blown into their stomachs during yeah. that one scene. And I'm just, in my head, I just go, only one man dare give me the raspberry. <laughs> like, lone star. Oh, Rick Moranis, we miss you. Um, it's not like he's doing anything either. He just decided to stop acting. Yeah, he decided to stop acting and, like, raise his family. Yeah. Ruined it for all of us, Rick. Was Little Giants the last movie he made? No. I really don't know. The last one I can think of. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, or maybe one of those other Honey movies they made. It was Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. Did they make a Honey, I Shrunk the Kids again? That might have been a different person. I think he realized that he'd gone too far. And it was time to walk away. Have you ever heard of the TV show The Goldbergs? Yeah. This is really his last acting credit. is from 2018, The Goldbergs, where he played Dark Helmet. <laughs> well, they must, he, he, he must have come out of the closet to, or come out of uh, retirement. Dark Helmet voice, and I was just like, oh. But then other than that, it's like uh, 2007 was his last, but like his actual, I see some like video games, short videos, TV movies. Big Bully. Never heard Honey, of it. I sh- Honey, I- Little Giants in 94. Yeah. Yeah. And then Big Bully with Dennis Leary in 96. Honey, so I sh- or, um, Little Giants has been on TV a lot again recently. It's it's made its rounds back again. But maybe he, he would do some, like, you know, producing. Or like some other stuff like that, you know? Dude, he's got know. that that uh Spaceballs mailbox money, man. You don't have to do anything. You just got your mailbox, get your get your residual check. Yeah, yeah. He's got stuff that's 
He's got good stuff that he doesn't even need money for. Yeah. Why? Ghostbusters money. Anyways, we missed this early when we said the bitch hit me with a toaster. If you notice, he's in that essentially underground and he looks and he goes, this is nice. Where are we? Trump Tower? So, yeah, they were yeah. ripping on Trump estates all the way back then, 1988. Before everybody else knew about Trump. Yep. And then, so I want to talk, well, do you have anything from Ghost the Christmas present other than that? No, that's about, that's about it. He's just, he's, throughout the day, he slams lots of vodka. Yeah, he's definitely got a drinking problem, a major drinking problem. My thing was just that whenever, um, Bobcat gets in there. I'm just like, how does he get into that building with a freaking double barrel shotgun? Dude, it was 88, man. There was no security. There was nothing. Like, now, everywhere you go, you have to have a badge or... He had security throw him out. You know what? You're right. And they had to walk... They had to get past security when he came into the building. And they were freaking dicks. And they were freaking dicks to him. Like, I was like, man, even the security is dicks to this guy and they're kicking him out on Christmas Day. And he's even really nice to him. He's like... They give him his box of stuff, and he's just like, "Thanks, guys! Like, Merry Christmas!" And then yeah, like, and they just pick him up and throw him out on the street. I'm like, you guys are dicks. Well, I'm, I'm, I was thinking now that you said it, when he comes back from that humanitarian award thing, and he walks in and looks at the two security guards. There's, there's a, a front desk. I don't know how he got past them. That's it's not a, good a very one. good show. And then also, how fast does that elevator? It takes a long time for it to open, but how fast does that door close? <laughs> very fast. Like, he falls, and it's, like, closing before he even can, like, look up. Um, so I have a question about the Ghost of Christmas Future. I under- question? Yeah. So when they're – and it's obviously a line from the actual Christmas Carol. He said, the thing that, mo- that men fear most is the Ghost of Christmas Future. Don't think that's it. Don't think that's the thing that men uh, that all men fear most. I can tell you a few things I'm fear more than that, and that's like, was it's I just watching? Bit, it's a bit down my list. You could name just, some of the things on the the promo for Scrooge, like airplane uh, airplane hijacking and getting shot while I'm driving down the freeway, or above the list of. That's not even it. I just watched the TV show on. Uh, if you guys haven't watched the the uh, the series called Happy on Netflix yet, there's one scene where he goes, "I'm going to cut your penis off in tiny little slices." Now he looks at me, and goes, "It's going to take you a while." You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious what this TV show Happy is. Okay, well the TV show Happy. I'm just give you a quick little synopsis of it. It's I can't remember his name in real life, but he was the bald white guy that used to be on Law and Order. Order. He was Casey Jones in the in. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. He's on yeah. Chicago. Um, he's on Chicago PD of, for recently too. Yeah, he's he's really good. Can't think of his name is, but it is so so such a weird, strange, very like kind of gory. Now I'm looking it up. I'm looking it up. Um, Chris Christopher Maloney. Yeah, that's his name. It's you know, but he sees like his daughter's imaginary friend to try to save his daughter pretty much you don't know in like the first like episode or two that it's his daughter but it's not really giving away because you find out um but yeah it's um 
Patton Oswalt plays Happy, which is like the voice of like the imaginary friend, which is like a blue. Um, so like, this is the this is the IMDb synopsis. I couldn't make this up. An injured hitman befriends his kidnapped daughter's imaginary friend, a perky blue flying unicorn. That's all it says. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Nick Sachs is his name. Awakes on a hospital gurney. He's a hitman. Used to be a cop. It's all part of the job. What's troubling Sachs isn't his isn't his serious injury. It's the serious perky flying blue horse that claims that it's it is the imaginary friend of someone in serious trouble. The horse's name, Happy, of course. Oh, so Patton Oswalt's <laughs> the voice of Happy? Yes. I love Patton Oswalt. He's fantastic. I think he's super underrated as an actor, too. His stand-up's really, really funny. Yeah, Anyhow. Um, all right. Again, back so to Scrooge. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the Ghost of Christmas future doesn't really do it for me. Um, of all three things that they show... I think the thing that's the worst is when you show Claire being a complete cunt and he realized that he ruined her. And that it, I'd like that they turned and looks at the ghost and goes, you know, that was a really mean thing to do, a really awful thing to do. But they show him like being burned and really the only thing that upsets him. I don't understand why he's upset that he's being cremated. Well, cause he, cause he's upset because remember he's inside the casket. Well, he goes in the casket, but he tries to slow it down before it even goes in to be cremated. So I don't know why he cares. What's it. He's like, yeah, he'll be dead at Christmas in 20-some years or 30 years. Freaks out about it. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's because he's alone, and that's all it really is. But his brother's there, right? But then, yes, then he's getting burned alive, and that's what freaks him out. I guess also he's had a long day. He has had a bit of a long day. You think you've had a bad day. <laughs> I, well, I, I, I promise you took you the baby girl story. with her that's I think actually the other thing that made me laugh about that scene is the way he does that I, I do like when he does like the double look in the ghost like outfit he, lo- he look, looks yeah. at it he's just like did our people do that <laughs> we're gonna get calls <laughs> he says that too we're gonna get calls but uh, can we just skip the ending completely the only thing that I'm gonna say about the ending is when they're doing that like song ab- adaptation yeah. I like how they they're saying like if you're on the right side of the theater because like that's the only time you really would have watched this movie. They're like doing a throwback, knowing that like you're in the theater. You know, like if you're on the left side, like yeah. yell. If you're yeah. on the right side, yell. If you were weren't paying attention, <laughs> yeah. stuff like that. Like, but like that's the only really th- part I thought it was cool. That was cool because like literally he went on like a 12 minute like riffing rant of just him just like ad libbing. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, which I did think it made it sound more believable because when you think about it, like if you had like this perfect little speech that went the whole way, and I go, nobody's going to have that in real life. I kind of like how he was like st- kind of stuttering and like confused a little bit because, you know, he just, I did like that part of a bit, you know, but. <laughs> the one thing I will was, say was funny is when he goes, hey, I don't hear any partying up there. And Elliot shoots off the shotgun. I don't and think you know what woman, you guys are dealing you see, with. <laughs> you see the big woman kind of like pretending to dance as she's completely terrified. <laughs> I don't know why that made me laugh. Mainly because <laughs> like uh, hashtag me too by the girl. Yes. Yeah. Well, it doesn't matter. He's a dude. Anything else before we move on to the next part? Nope. All right. I know it's a movie, but I didn't have anything specific except you just brought up Elliot Loudermilk getting into the building. Yeah, getting I, the, the that, shotgun. 
this isn't exactly a tight script of a movie that you, you have to deal with the fantasy part of it, but they don't really mess. Like there's not a lot of continuity problems with it. I don't think. Do you, did you really notice anything one way or the other other than that? Not too much really. Yeah. So, all right, we can move on past that. Let's get into the internet facts about the movie. So Mike, this might be your favorite one. The sling-mounted GE M134 minigun used by Lee Majors in the beginning of the movie <laughs> was the same stage prop used by Jesse Ventura in Predator in 1987. Mm. Oh, Predator. It's, it's goddamn sexual tyrannosaurus. <laughs> <laughs> Predator's coming, 2019. I think we may have to do Predator. We're going to have a whole slew of movies for you guys in 2019. I'm very excited. Mike and I spent 2018 getting our feel, and 2019 is going to be action-packed with good movies. I'll tell you what, The Predator, meh. <laughs> the new one? Yeah. That's what I've heard. That's what I've heard. It was, I was like, yeah, I'm going to watch this. This looks good. And then I was, very quickly, I was like, mm, meh. Um, Merle. <laughs> Next. <laughs> Bill Murray falling on his way out of the restaurant is said to have been unscripted and a genuine accident. Apparently, it was due to the stairs still being wet after throwing the water on the waiter and caused him to lose his footing. And it was good, so they kept it. Uh, this was Bill Murray's first starring role since Ghostbusters 1984. He was actually living in Paris and, as we said, considered giving up acting altogether after a couple bombs. Uh, Bill Murray ad-libbed most of his lines. We had that. This was an mm-hmm. interesting one, I thought, um, because this is going to make you feel old, Mike. Ready? The yep. film takes place in December 1988, December 1955, December 1968, December 1969, 1973, and then it takes place in the 90s, the 2000s, and then December 2010 is when they're supposedly Frank Cross is being cremated in December of 2010. Meaning, oh, they go back in time to 1955. Okay, Marty McFly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah, so December of 2010, eight years ago, is when they considered the far-out future of when everybody was wearing essentially space jumpsuits and um, everything looked real weird and white and was triangle like all triangles. And for some odd reason, they burned people in giant rooms instead of just doing a cremation normally. And do uh, they, is, is, it, is, it, is that like normal to like cremate somebody in front of their family no no they're the body's taken <laughs> away and they're not even it's not even usually done with fire it's done with just like extreme heat from what i understand i don't know much about the the crematory process but i think it's kind not really like a really hot like oven pretty much yeah and it it just kind of it, that's how it goes to dust i don't think it's actually done with fire uh, lastly grace and her family appear to live in long island city new york this is evident in the scene when Grace and Calvin are coming off the subway. If you look, you can see the sign of their stop is 44th Street and Courthouse Square, which is a stop in Long Island City on the E train. The reason I brought that up is because Long Island City was just chosen to be one of the two HQ2 for Amazon in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike, do you have any additional facts? Um, kind of go through and see what we haven't already talked about. Talked about that. Talked about Paul in there. We talked about the how Scrooge, his whole family was in there. Um, oh, uh, Sam 
Kinnison was supposed to play the Ghost of Christmas Past. If you know who Sam Kinnison is, yeah, the he died. Yeah, he died shortly after. I think like maybe three or four years after this movie even came out. That sounds about right. Kane actually did not like. Um, she didn't want to be like physical with Bill Murray. She didn't like didn't enjoy that whole time. And then she actually hurt him too. <laughs> when you we talked about him like. The whole like his like lip or whatever it was that happened. Yeah, stopped shooting for a couple of days because she ripped his lip. Yeah, but now that's a. There wasn't a ton of spectacular ones. I went went. I did some googling and stuff like that. Didn't see anything too much on there. So let's get into the last two pieces of it. First off, where are they now, Mike? Why don't you start with where are the main characters from this movie. And we're, we're just assuming it's December 20. We'll even say December 2010, but December 2018, they didn't light them on fire. <laughs> he was, uh, Frank Cross was not burned to death in, in 2000, December 2010. Changes. He changed his stars. <laughs> yes. He changed his stars. I have uh, Frank and Claire and I have them together. The, Two are still together thanks to lots of couple therapy and no children of their own. Uh, Frank still works in the business, but now has Preston uh, Rhinelanders, aka Robert Mitchum's job. Karen started her own nonprofit and now makes more money than Frank. Frank still loves to pound vodka colas and hates hipsters and craft beer. Feels about right. Who you got over there, Ed? So I've got two. Uh, I did Bryce Cummings. Let's so hear said- Bright Cummings was fired from IBC television and returned to Los Angeles. He spent several years jumping from one, uh, one job to the next while battling a cocaine habit. It was the 80s. Eventually, he was hit with a sexual harassment charges and lost all his money and legal fees. As part of the Me Too movement, further women came forward with accusations. His trial for assaulting a woman under the, assaulting a woman under the influence in 1997 begins next March. We really took it to like today. Real life <laughs> shit now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Told you, man. Do you, do you, do you want to hear my Elliot? I would love to hear your Elliot. Elliot since we both go. Okay. Elliot's, Elliot spent just one year in prison along with two years of probation after holding up the studio. But once released, Fr- Frank gave him the job that he promised, and he's still working there. He did not take back his heartless bitch, bitch of a wife who left him on Christmas Eve less than 12 hours of being fired. He married, he married the so- solid gold dancer whose nipple was showing and has two children with her. <laughs> I have a very different Elliot Loudermilk story. <laughs> Not quite as gleaming of an ending. Um, I right. guess I'm assuming he doesn't get any jail time because they don't press charges based on this. I said Elliot only makes it two years working side by side with Frank Cross as head of programming before his anger issues catch up to him and he is fired for threatening to quote frit or shit in Frank Cross's hand when he is sleeping and later throwing a chair across the room at a female executive. His wife leaves him again, so he moves to L.A. to look up Bryce Cummings. They become quick friends after Elliot apologizes for getting him fired. His creepy advances on women never work out, and he is single, living in the San Fernando Valley, working for a company that manufactures cheap sex toys. I didn't see that. (laughs) (laughs) Slightly different ending to Elliot Loudermilk's life. Yeah, just, just a little bit. So uh, Mike and I are going to try and bring back something we've done before, which is we talked about either trying to remake movies today 
or if they needed to be remade with this one, we're thinking of, you know, it's been, it's been 30 years since this movie came out. And as you heard me talking about at the beginning, I have it. This is really the only, this and Mickey's Christmas Carol, which is only 22 minutes long anyways, are the only adaptations of a Christmas Carol that I really actually liked. Now, I think it's time for a new one 30 years later that has actual comedy, actual plot, an actual studio behind it, and some actual actors in it that you're going to go out and see. So the general premise is going to be about the same. The Ebenezer Scrooge character, whatever his name may be, is a successful business person probably living in New York or Los Angeles or Chicago. Generally, you got to that that's usually how it works. There's probably a love interest that was involved in the past and was burned. You've got some ghosts that are going to come visit and Ebenezer Scrooge or whatever his character's name is a complete a-hole. Um, we will kind of ad lib as we go, if we can think of anything else, but why don't you give me some characters here, Mike? All right. Um, Ebenezer Scrooge's character. I put down as Ryan Reynolds. That would work. That would work really well. Because uh, he could be extremely sarcastic and shitty with people for a drastic portion of the movie. And then later, actually sincere. I don't know if you've heard any interviews with him recently. It's kind of funny about how he says that uh, becoming a dad has made him a better person and he misses being an awful person. <laughs> I, that's why I like him too. That's why I like I That's why I picked him. I was just like, mm. I want him to star in this movie. Yeah, he doesn't take anything too seriously, but I think he'd be a really good pick for it. Uh, I don't know how good his ad lib is, but I think he did. I think it was his idea to make, or partly his idea to make Deadpool the way it is, which is breaking the fourth wall, funny, and then just pure Ryan. I mean, no one could play Deadpool the way Deadpool's played other than Ryan Reynolds. Because that's kind of how he's always been. Even all the way back to like Van Wilder, he'd kind of stop and look at the camera. It's kind of always been his move. So uh, the love interest. All I asked for you, Mike, was give me an age range. And I think we hit it. I think Amy Adams would be the right person to play the love interest. I think it would be good. Yeah, they could both make them. They could do enough. I mean, with CGI anymore, they can make anybody look young. But when they go to the Christmas past, Amy Adams already looks. She's stunningly good looking. But they could try and make her look a little younger. Think um, Catch Me If You Can. Remember how young she looked in that? You know, that's when he breaks her heart. And then 15 years later, she comes back around. And I think she would. Actually, the other guy that I had as Emory's was uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, no, I don't (laughs) think it would work. I I think you. If you were to go with a real serious version, then I would go with Leo. But I I think uh, Ryan Reynolds would be better because I think it. I think you'd need a, com- a comedic version of it. I, I don't I, think I don't it would know. work I, you as, know, as after, serious. After watching Wolf of Wall Street and how hard I laughed during that movie, I was just like, I think he can really oh, that's true. anything he wants to be. That he is can true. Really do anything, I mean, he really can do anything he wants to be. You're think. right. I never should underestimate Leonardo DiCaprio. That guy's incredible. He's fantastic. <laughs> he is, I used to hate him, too. I used I, to hate oh, him like around like Titanic times. Oh, like, we, oh, I hated the guy. We all hated him. Probably because, just because I was jealous of him. But <laughs> Oh, 100% because we were jealous of him. <laughs> but, all the girls like, in our really. school wanted him, and he was... Is he 40 yet? Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so he is a little bit older than us, but yeah. All the girls essentially acted like they were going to hold out for him. So <laughs> No, we don't want you. Yeah. So who would be... Um, who? What other characters do you have, Mike? Um, uh, Bobcat. Oh, I guess his name's not Bobcat, but um, Elliot. I put down two um, that was, you know... He's so out, out of control. So immediately in my head, I thought of Zach Con- Zach Galifianakis, who we talked about. Sure. I was like, I was like, or I was like a Jack Black type character. Yeah, either one of those would work. If I can throw in there, I kind of combined Elliot's character and the assistant Grace's character into one, and essentially it plays what would be the uh, Bob Cratchit role as the assistant. And I actually picked mm-hmm. Charlie Day. Because he's kind of uh, like cool. the modern Bobcat mm-hmm. Goldthwait. He would be he would be excellent. I agree with that. Yeah. Like he would be the he'd be his assistant. He'd be kind of like a manic all over the place guy that always looks like he's four seconds from snapping. So uh I have one more character. Do you have any more, Mike? And just to answer your question, um Leonardo DiCaprio is uh forty four years old. I was good, actually about to guess forty four. I don't know why that number just popped in my head. So, and I think Ryan Reynolds 41. No. Well, you tell me about your other character. So, we oh. need an LA slime ball. We need that other person that comes in and, and mixes things up. And I thought about it a little bit, and I think the perfect person to play the LA slime ball would be Justin Timberlake. He's a little bit younger. He did a really good job playing it, that kind of person in the social network. And I think he could really pull it off as he, he's I've seen some other things he's done. He has some pretty good comedic timing. I think he could just he, he'd be that younger, hungrier version coming in to backstab the, our Ebenezer. Um, he's 42. Oh, OK. I, but I, I, do, I do agree that. Um, oh, man, just just looking at his actor list right now. A lot of good stuff. Tell you what, I'm not looking forward to. I'm not sure if I'm feeling the uh, Pokemon Detective Pikachu uh, that's coming out in 2019. Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> he plays Pikachu, the voice of Pikachu. Uh, I don't know. Have you seen Trolls with your nieces? Huh? Have you seen the movie Trolls with your nieces? Yes. Timberlake's good in that too. Yeah, that's a good I got movie. The feeling. Yeah. <laughs> They're also. Uh, I'm just noticing some things. If you guys are curious about Ryan Reynolds right now, he's making a uh, sequel to The Hitman's Bodyguard. It's called The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. He plays the same character. Have you seen that movie? Yeah, it's good. It is good. It's it's um, He and Samuel were really funny together. It's a little bit over the top because they both essentially get shot to death, yet somehow survive. It's a little crazy they would survive, but otherwise it's actually a pretty good movie. It's very funny. He's got one uh, where he's Deadpool twice. He's got X-Force and Deadpool 3. So there's rumors. He's also in the movie Clue. Oh, they're making a new Clue? Yeah. I love that. That, We're doing that movie next year. If they're making a new one, we got to get it in because that's one of that was one of my favorite movies growing up. There's there's no there's no date on it right now. But does it say who um, he's playing? Professor. No, but just says he's literally it just says it's announced. And it doesn't say anything that he is, which means just at least 2020 
maybe even 2021, but probably okay. 2020 because he, he normally does a couple movies a year. Once we get a release date on that, we're gonna we're well, gonna do. Well, I mean, his his one is called The Crudes Two, and that's 2020. And then he's got a couple pre-production, and he's got three announced too that all don't have dates. And one of them is The Hitman's Bodyguard's Wife. One of them is X Force Deadpool Three, which Deadpool Three could come out at the end of maybe 2020, beginning of 2021. So. What's Maybe. it take them on production anymore? About a year? Something like that? Well, a lot of times, though, is that normally they don't want to do movies. You know, I always say to get a good movie, especially when it, when there's sequels and stuff like that, you want to do them about every uh, three years. Like, if you look at the Mission Impossibles, they follow that suit a lot. If you look at Mission uh, Impossible, it was every three years they come out with a Mission Impossible movie. The original Star Wars trilogy did every three years. The original Indiana Jones trilogy, I think, did every three to four years. It's good because if you do two years, you, you get rushed and then you you miss some things that aren't as good. And that's what I actually um, – after I watched The Predators, I listened to a movie podcast. Um, it's called Now Playing. It's a pretty good movie podcast, and they did a review about it. And they read about how they've had to finish it in two years, and they were rushed. They got rushed. They had They couldn't get do certain things. And they think that's how a lot of like the movie wasn't as good as it was. Cause some of the, the, the plot in it is just, I'm telling you, Ed, we could write a better plot. If you could just get a better plot and just get her. The problem is too, is that they're trying to get the same guy who did the first predator to do it. But he just, he was also in the movie in the first predator. Arnold's not in it, right? No. And that's the problem. I even said that like, they're like rating the Predator movies from, you know, the best. Obviously, we know what the best one is, and that's the first one. But I think maybe Predators with Adrian Brody's probably maybe the second best one for me. Really? I never saw that one. I gave up after. And then maybe Predator, Predator vs. Alien, I think. I think Predator 2 with Danny Glover maybe would be three for me. I don't think it's very good, but it's just the, the AVPs. There's AVP, AVP Relinquum, or whatever it's called. Requiem, yeah. Requiem or whatever it is, I can't remember. Yeah, which is the one where they're in Antarctica and they find them. That's AVP. Okay, the first one. The second one where they're in the jungle. The first ones are in the jungle. No, maybe I've only ever seen the first one then. The first one's in the jungle. The second one's where Danny Glover and they're in like the city, like L.A. or something like that. Yeah, that that's um, that's Predator too. And Gary Busey's in it. I don't remember Gary Busey. I literally saw it once and wasn't that big of a fan, so I never saw it again. Gary Busey gets chopped in half by a predator. <laughs> oh, nice. In a meat packing factory, pretty much, I think. <laughs> nice. So back to Scrooged. Uh, this is our last podcast of 2018. So I want to say a very much thank you to everybody. We're at a thousand downloads for the year, which is amazing. And being that we only have a tiny little Twitter account and a brand new Facebook page, a lot of that has to do with you guys telling your friends, telling your family, uh, hey, check these guys out. They're quasi-entertaining and not completely terrible and every now and again have a funny joke. So please keep doing that. Uh, we're, we're very much looking forward to 2019. There are some movies that we've already discussed that we know we're going to be doing and a whole slate. We're going to try and give you guys, I'm hoping at least 20 movies next year. 
we're going to aim for an every two week pace. It just depends. There's going to be vacations. There's going to be a lot of that stuff that just holidays, weird nights. Uh, so it takes us about, uh, our, our cycles about two weeks between watching, recording, editing, and posting. So, um, we appreciate your patience. I know you guys are looking forward to when these come out. So, uh, anything else you want to say there, Mike? If you know your father like I do, Ed, <laughs> so he's probably out looking for Beaver. Probably out. Looking. All right, thanks, guys. We'll we'll talk to you in 2019. Take care. Welcome to the Worth the Watch podcast. While there are plenty of movie review podcasts out there, our goal is not to be that. This is supposed to be a fun look back at movies from our past that we have enjoyed. We just want to fill that place between your ears for about an hour. Make your commute to work a little more tolerable or let you reflect on a movie that you may have seen. Movies can make us laugh and cry, make us cringe in fear or be a shot of adrenaline. We watch them in theaters with total strangers, at home with friends and family, or on Sundays when it's on cable for the 300th time. When One We Love comes on TV, we get excited. It's almost like, hey, someone else likes this movie too. So if you like what we do, let us know. Follow us on Twitter at WorthTheWatchPC, again, at WorthTheWatchPC, or email us at WorthTheWatchPodcast at gmail.com. Make suggestions of movies you love and want to hear. Tell us what areas you want us to cover. Please keep things clean. We have families who don't want them to be worried about us. Please remember, this is all in good fun, and if something on here offends you, tough shit. Get over it and find something else to be upset about.